Let's get into the Word of God today. How many of y'all are cool with that? You ready to hear some Bible today? Well, we've been in a series called 70 Times 7. Somebody say 70 times 7, which is... 490. Come on now. Some of y'all people are catching on now. Uh, but it doesn't matter. The 490 is not the point. 70 times 7, the series is called Multiplying Forgiveness. And we're talking about forgiveness because there's so many people that hold on to unforgiveness, hold on to past hurts, hold on to offenses, and man, it will eat you from the inside out. If you've ever held on to unforgiveness, you know what that feels like. And the 70 times seven, it comes from a verse where Peter asks, how many times am I supposed to forgive? Is it, you know, basically he's going through like one, three, five, seven, you know, what is it? And then Jesus says, yeah, seven, but 70 times seven. What he's saying is a whole lot. You gotta forgive, you gotta forgive, you gotta forgive, and you gotta forgive some more. Come on now, you gotta keep on forgiving. And so week one, we talked about offense, because how many of y'all know we'd be going around forgiving people for things they didn't even do? Come on now. We've forgiven people for all kinds of stuff because we have a fence built up in our hearts. And then last week we talked about forgiving ourselves, receiving forgiveness from God for our past and the things that we've done. The hardest person to forgive in your life is who? Yourself. So if you missed the last two, I encourage you to go catch up. But today we're talking about something a little bit different. The title of the message is actually me times God. Me times God. Forgiving God. Have you ever heard somebody say that before? A Barna poll, who's a group that does research on church and Christians, says if you could ask God one question, you knew that he would give you an answer, what would you ask? And the most common response was why is there pain and suffering in the world? I think if you're sharing your faith regularly with people that do not know God, it won't be long before somebody asks, how could a God of love allow tragedy, pain, and suffering? C.S. Lewis said this, he said, the problem of pain is atheism's most potent weapon against the Christian faith. It makes sense, right? I mean, nobody likes to suffer. How many of y'all like to suffer, anybody? Okay, I thought somebody was raising their hand. I was about to be like, you're weird. I don't trust you. Get out. No one likes to suffer. That's why it's called suffering. It's not good. Pain, it hurts. When your marriage fails, when you lose a job, when you're a victim of abuse, and ultimately when you lose somebody that you love. I think there's questions that all believers in Jesus will wrestle with at some point in their lives Where are you, God? Are you even listening? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you stop this from happening? Why didn't you make this thing happen? And I prayed and had faith. So God, why didn't you respond? Anybody ever asked those questions before? Or am I the only one? Many of us have asked these questions in in many different scenarios. And I think a lot of us asked these questions recently when a school shooter went to Uvalde, Texas and took the lives of many people. Where is God in the midst of all this, right? I think that's the natural response. Anybody would say, where is, where is God in this? How could it be possible that God loves us and yet these things keep happening in, in our world? It doesn't make sense. And these 
seemingly unanswered questions in the gravity and the depth of the suffering that we all experience in life leads many believers not just to asking questions of God anymore, but it actually leads you to a place of anger with God. We're not just asking why, or like what's going on, and I'm so confused, I don't understand, but we actually let that turn into a place of just anger and bitterness against God for what he did do, what we think he did do, what we think that he didn't do. So really the question is, is it a sin to be mad at God? Well, why do we get mad at someone? I think we get mad when we perceive that a person has done something wrong against us or someone else. Here's the problem. Can God do anything wrong? Come on, can God do anything wrong? Not a trick question, okay? If you're not sure of the answer of a question in church, just say Jesus really loud. It'll probably be right about 90% of the time. Can God do anything wrong? Jesus. Yeah, actually, yeah. (laughs) That works. Can God do anything wrong? No. So why are we mad? Why are we mad at him? If God cannot do wrong, then we are mad at him either for things that he didn't do or for things that we don't understand. He did something that we don't get and now we're mad. Or we're mad at him about something that he didn't even do in the first place. I want to tell you a parable. It's a story maybe many, many of you probably grew up with at some point. A fellow was stuck on his rooftop in a flood. He was praying to God for help. You already know. Soon a man in a rowboat came by and a fellow shouted to the man on the roof, jump in, I can save you. The stranded fellow shouted back, no, it's okay. I'm praying to God and he's going to save me. So the rowboat went on. A motorboat came by. The fellow in the motorboat shouted, jump in, I can save you. To this, the stranded man said, no, thanks. I'm praying to God. He's going to save me. I have faith. So the motorboat went on. Then a helicopter came by, and the pilot shouted down, grab this rope, and I'll lift you to safety. Come on. To this, the stranded man again replied, no, thanks. I'm praying to God, and he's going to save me. I have faith. So the helicopter reluctantly flew away. Soon the water rose above the rooftop, and the man drowned. He went to heaven, and he finally got his chance to discuss this situation with God, at which point he exclaimed, I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. You let me drown. I don't understand why. To this, God replied, I sent you a rowboat, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What more do you expect? (laughs) Whose fault was it that the man died? The man. Who was the man upset at? God. Was God at fault? No. Many times I think we get mad at God for our own mistakes. Right? Right? for our own sins, for the things that we have done. We don't like to admit it, but we make mistakes. Come on, somebody say amen. We don't like to admit that we mess up, but yet we do all the time. Come on now, somebody. I posted this question, have you ever been mad at God on Facebook? And there was over 100 comments by the end of it. And somebody, I thought it was so funny. She said, I quit a job, and then I got mad at God for not having any money. (laughs) I just imagine, it's like, I thought you were Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. And he's like, I did, I gave you a job. (laughs) And you quit because of some drama. You quit because of this. You quit, I gave you this job. What are you doing? I did provide. That's not on me, that's on you. Proverbs 19.3 says it like this in the NLT. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Ooh, that's good, right? 
People ruin their own lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. That is wisdom right there. Have you ever been mad at God for something that you did? Well, my marriage failed. Yeah, because you cheated. I have diabetes. Yeah, because the cashier at Jack in the Box knows your order by heart when you walk through the door. That's probably not good. 2 Samuel 12, 15 uh, through 23, it, it describes this situation. It says, you know, we talked last week about David and Bathsheba, right? And how he really messed up. He slept with Bathsheba, who was not his wife. It was Uriah's wife. And then he had Uriah killed. So he added insult to injury. Awful what David did. It was a very, very bad sin against God, against others. And so he sends the prophet Nathan to rebuke him. Nathan tells him the story and David finally realizes like, oh my goodness, I, this is awful what I've done. And, and he gets cut to the core and he repents. But after David sins with Bathsheba, Nathan at the end of all of this, and David says, I've sinned against God, all this stuff. God through the prophet Nathan says that the baby that she had conceived because of their sin was going to die. And David, what does he do? He fasts and he prays and he cries. And he says, God, would you please save this child? God, would you help? The baby's born and the baby comes down with the sickness and illness. He's like, God, would you save this baby? Would you, would you do it, Lord? I know I've messed up. I know I've sinned, but would you save this child? And yet the child still dies anyway. And the, the servants, they go to him and they say, David, what are you doing right now? Because this is what he ends up doing. He says, basically he could be mad at God right? I would be mad. I'd be upset. This baby didn't do anything. This baby didn't deserve that. But instead, he worships God. That's David's response. It says, after the baby dies, he picks himself up, cleans himself up, puts on some clothes, goes to the house of the Lord and worships. And the servants are like, whoa, how? Why? Why are you doing this? Shouldn't you be mourning now? He's like, God's still good. Basically what he's saying. It doesn't change the fact that God still loves me. It doesn't change the fact that God's so good. This is my mistake, my fault. It doesn't change God's goodness in my life. So I will worship him anyway. Basically what David is saying. The penalty of sin we know is what? Death. David did not have the hope in Jesus, but thank God that we do, Right? Thank God that we have Jesus now, that we don't have to do animal sacrifices. We don't have a life for a life. We don't have, uh, you know, we have to do these different atonements and all these different sacrifices and all these things. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace, amen? And I'm so grateful that God has changed the game to where we are under grace now. But do I understand why David's baby died? No. But what can you get from this story? I do know what the appropriate response was for grief, loss, and suffering, and that is worship. That's what we learn. Do we understand all the stuff with the baby? Honestly, no. I don't know if we ever will. But what we can understand is the response that David had was pure in his worship. So we get mad at God for doing things wrong ourselves. Also, I think one of the reasons we get mad at God is we get mad at God for the devil's work. 
When good things happen, we give glory to God. And when bad things happen, we blame God. Where is the devil in all that? Where is Satan in this equation? Have we forgotten that we have an enemy who comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says that Satan is the father of all lies. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. All he does is lie. Jesus said, I have come to what? Give life and life more abundant. So you have somebody that's here to steal, kill, and destroy, and somebody's here to give life and life more abundant. And yet, when somebody steal, kills, and destroys, we go after the guy that said, I'm gonna give you life. Why is that? A lot of times I think it's because of Job, the book of Job. It's a hard book to understand. It really is. It kind of baffles people even to this day. Bible scholars disagree all over the world about the book of Job. What do we know about Job? It's that he was a man that loved God, was blameless, is what God says. In in the eyes of God, he did everything right. So Satan comes before God and God says, have you considered my servant Job? God actually highlights Job. How many of y'all would love to be highlighted by God for your faithfulness to him? Come on now. Have you considered Job? Yeah, I know you can mess with all these other people, but Job, man, he ain't ever gonna diss me. He is always gonna serve me no matter what you do. And Satan says, well, yeah, because you put a hedge of protection around him because of his faithfulness and all these, you put a hedge around him. But if you took that thing away, I guarantee you he would fall. Guarantee it. So God says, hey, he's in your hands. You're the prince of this earth. Do whatever you want. See what happens. And so Satan goes out. And what we see is that a servant comes to Job and says, all of your other servants have died. I'm the only one that escaped. Another one comes back. It says, the fire of God came and consumed all the livestock. Catch that. The fire of God came and consumed all the livestock. Your children have passed. Another servant comes and says, your children, they're all dead. These men came and destroyed everybody. Everything you have is gone. Many people think that it was God that caused Job's family to die, but who caused all of the suffering in Job's life? Satan. Satan was the one that afflicted Job, not God. Job and his friends just have a terrible misunderstanding of who God is and what he does. They blame Job, as a matter of fact. His friends, they say, well, you must have done something wrong, obviously. Because in their their way of thinking, in their line of thinking, especially in ancient times, they thought that bad people get bad things and good people get good things. And that's the only way that it happens. But we get clarification later in the Bible where it basically says that, you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust, right? The rain falls on the good and the bad. Bad things happen to good people all the time. Yet they didn't have that understanding back then. So they blamed Job. Hey, what, what did you do wrong? Because obviously you must have dissed God. That's why this is happening to you. And Job is defending himself. He's saying, no, I haven't. I promise. I have not done anything wrong. And then Job ends up kind of blaming God in a sense and complaining to God for all these things that are happening to him. But listen, Satan would love for you to blame God for his work. Satan would love nothing more than for you to get mad at God for his evil deeds in your life. It's like God is in handcuffs sitting in a courtroom and you are the accuser against him. And Satan, the one who actually did the work, is at home watching the trial on TV, just laughing. 
They don't even know it was me. I got away with it. That's what's happening. He's like an innocent man being convicted of crimes that he didn't commit. If somebody today came into this place mad at God, I want you to leave mad at the devil. I want you to leave mad at the person who causes pain and suffering in this world. I want you to be mad at the one that caused Adam and Eve to fall. Mad at the one that lies, steals, kills, and destroys. Not mad at God. Place the blame on the right name is how I would say it. Place it where it belongs. Listen, I don't know why all the evil happened to Job. I don't get it. We might never understand fully why God allowed this, why Satan was able to do all this stuff. We might not ever understand that. But once again, I want you to see something. We don't understand any of that. But what we do see is Job 1.20. It says, after all these reports came to him, one after another, your family's dead, your servants are dead, all your stuff is gone. Everything you have is taken away from you. Job 1.20, Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshiped. What was David's response to tragedy, suffering, and loss? Worship. What was Job's response to tragedy, suffering, and loss? Worship. At the end of the book, God ends up commending him for that. But in the middle, Job tries to debate God a little bit. How many of y'all ever tried to debate with God? Why me? Huh? Why did all this happen to me? I don't understand. I have not done anything wrong. Where are you, God? He said, it's in Job 50, 20, I believe he says, I prayed to you and you did not answer. Where are you? I can't hear you. I don't understand what in the world is going on right now. And he tries to debate God. But then you know what God ends up saying to him? He, lets, he just lets Job rip into him all this stuff, saying all this incorrect things about him. Job is upset. He's frustrated with God. He doesn't understand. He's just asking these questions. Like, I, I don't get why all this is happening right now. And then God responds way at the end. He lets him say all this stuff. Sometimes I think God is patient with our misunderstandings, right? He's patient with us. I'm thankful. But then he finally says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Did you hang the stars? Did you make the sun rise every single morning? Can you direct the lightning and the rain and the storms? Did you set the boundaries of the ocean? Please let me know. That's the kind of language that God uses. He really does. You go look and read in the book of Job. He says, please let me know. Do you have some direction on this? <laughs> Do you have some insight on this, Job? Please let me know. Because if you were there, then that's cool. Obviously, God is implying, hey, listen, man, you do not understand the reasons and the ways that I do, the things that I do, but it is not for you to understand. It is only for you to trust. Job finally backs off and he says, okay, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I won't, do, I won't try to debate you again. He backs off and he, this is so important, guys. He doesn't let his why change his yes to God. He doesn't let the why me, why would you, why this, why that change his yes to God. I think we need to understand ultimately that pain is not your enemy. 
This is, a, this is a tough thing. We have a flip perspective on pain. If you have a right perspective on God, you'll have the right perspective on pain. Did Jesus say, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I'll get you out of all of it, right? It's like my mom, when I was in middle school and high school, I forgot things all the time, y'all, all the time. I had 13 phones by the time I was a senior in high school. Tell me why they kept giving me phones, y'all. I don't even understand why. I kept losing them all the time, but I would leave my backpack at home constantly. And my mom, would come to the school. I would drive from Kyle to downtown Austin to go to school every day. And my mom would bring my backpack all the way to school to get me out of trouble. Is that what Jesus says is gonna happen in this life? No, 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 no. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, for, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Amen? You're gonna have some trouble. You're gonna have some hardships. But without the right perspective on pain, you will blame God every time you feel it. James 1 says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Pain develops strength. Pain develops spiritual muscles. Pain makes you stronger in your faith and helps you to persevere in the end because in the midst of your pain, in the middle of your suffering, if you can praise God like Job did, you will kick the devil right in the teeth and make your father proud. If you can praise God in the middle of your loss, God is honored every single time because of it. Amen? And he is our father. And a lot of times I think we're mad at God for being a good dad. How many of y'all have ever been mad at your daddy? Mad at your mama? We get mad at our parents all the time when we're kids. In the moment, right, not realizing that the decisions that they're making for us are better for us in the long run. Come on, how many of you had that thought about your parents? You know which one I'm talking about already, the one where you finally realize that everything that they did for you was okay. Everything they did for you was because they loved you. All those things, it's not because they were mean. It's not because they didn't love you. It's not because they were some mean tyrants, right? It's because they were your shepherd and they were trying to lead you. They were trying to lead you into righteousness, lead you into good things and keep you away from harm. In the moment you're mad and you don't understand and you lash out and you say things that cut to their core. Parents of teenagers, specifically preteens. I hate you! <laughs> your mom is going to the room crying, closing the door. She don't want your kid to see her crying, you know? Why doesn't he understand I'm doing this? Because I love him. I just want him to love me back. I've given my entire life to raise this kid and all I'm getting back is this anger and this hate. Or maybe like, I didn't, we blame our parents for things they didn't even do, right? Like they were just mad at them because of all kinds of things. It's like, I didn't even do that. That was your own fault, but they're mad at us for some reason, right? I remember getting mad at my parents for all kinds of mess. I look back, it's like, that wasn't even them. That was me. That wasn't even them. That was Satan. That was sin. I've given my entire life to raise this kid. All I'm getting back is this anger and hate. And I can imagine, you know, the dads being there saying, he's just a kid. He don't get it. She's just a kid. She doesn't get it. But one day, honey, she will. One day, she'll understand. I think one day we'll get to have that conversation with God. But until then, it's okay to be a kid. It's okay to be God's child, to not understand. The Bible actually commends childlike faith. What is childlike faith? Not understanding and having faith anyway. 
He honors faith in the midst of misunderstanding. And ultimately, I think sometimes we're just mad at God for being God. That's the last one. God is sovereign. God is in charge, not me. He doesn't work for me. I work for him. Every day that I get up and have life is a day that I get to praise God and I thank God for it, whether hardship or trouble comes in that day or not. Isaiah 55 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And if that's the case, then Proverbs 3 right here makes a whole lot more sense where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not lean on your own understanding. Why? Because your understanding is finite. It is limited in comparison to God's. Job had to get that through his thick skull. He's debating and arguing with God and saying, why me, why this, all this stuff. And God says, listen, you just don't get it. Were you there from the beginning? Are you the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end? Because if not, save it. And Job backs off immediately and remembers who he is in relation to this whole universe, right? That God is God and I'm just happy to be here. We have to come to terms with the fact that we're not gonna understand everything that God does and that's okay because you can still have peace in the midst of that. Some people would say, how can I have peace if I don't understand everything? How can I trust in God and have a faith in God when I don't understand everything that happens? Listen, peace that surpasses all understanding. We know that. There's a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's Bible, right? How do you get that peace? Peace that surpasses all understanding comes when you stop trying to understand. Why did this awful thing happen? Man, I don't know. Why aren't you mad at God? Because he's good. How are you okay? Because he's good, I'm good. And there will come a day when there's no more suffering and pain. And we look forward to that day. We look forward to the day when people don't die anymore. We look forward to the day when people don't suffer with cancer or have to deal with the loss of a child or have financial struggles that cause depression and anxiety and worry and all these things. We won't, we won't deal with that one day. And we look forward to that day, amen? We really do. Revelation 21, four, it says, he will wipe every tear away from their eyes and death shall be no more, amen? Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. That's some good hope right there. And yet that's where we're at right now. That's what we have to deal with today. There's a pastor's name is Bill Johnson. Uh, got a lot of respect for him. His wife, Benny, passed away uh, not too terribly long ago. And a few days after she passed away, he was in the pulpit preaching. He said this, he, he kind of, I'll summarize it in a way, but he's preaching right after the passing of his wife. He's hurting, he's mourning, right? And yet he says, in heaven we'll praise God forever. There'll be no unanswered questions, no pain and no suffering. But this is the only time 
that we get to praise God in the midst of sorrow and pain and suffering. This is the only chance you get to praise God in the middle of your suffering. You'll never get it again when you get to heaven. You'll praise God forever, but it won't be in the midst of your pain. We get one shot to honor God with our praise and our thanksgiving in the middle of sorrow and suffering. You know how mad that makes the devil? And you know how happy that makes God? And even in the midst of all of the junk and all the messed up stuff that happens in our lives, if we can have the right perspective on God and understand who he is, that he's good, that he's a good father, that he loves us, he gives good gifts to his kids, and then Satan is bad and evil and sin and suffering come from him. We don't place blame on God for Satan's work. We don't place blame on God for our own mistakes. We don't place blame on God uh, for sin and the fact that we live in a fallen world. But if we can understand who God is, and even in the midst of our pain and suffering, praise him anyway, man, does that bring glory and honor to God. What an opportunity that we have to praise God in the midst of suffering, praising him through the mysteries of life. We don't know how or why God made the stars, but we're all here today to praise him, right? We don't know how or why God is three in one and we praise him. We don't know how or why that God created you or me, but yet we still praise him. And we don't know why or how God allows evil, sickness, and death, but man, we better still praise him. The only response that we can have to God in the midst of suffering is worship. Job showed this, David showed this, Pastor Bill showed this, and I know it's hard, it's not easy. But Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen but believe. God honors those who don't understand but praise anyway. So you might say, where was God? Where was God in the midst of my pain? Where was he then when I was suffering? Man, he was right there with you. Psalm 23, four, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with you in the middle of your heartbreak. He's with you in the middle of you losing your job. He's with you in the middle of you losing that person in your life. He's with you in the middle of that abuse. He's with you. It seems like he's far, but he's not. He's right there. You could say, while I'm in the middle of it, God, I know you're with me. While I'm suffering, I know you're with me. God is there with you and he's crying along with you. God comforts those who mourn. Yet we, we think God's bringing this upon us. No, he's our comforter. You're placing blame on the one who's trying to comfort you. And he's right there with you. <clears throat> Blessed are those who mourn for they will be what? Comforted. He heals the brokenhearted. Come to me all who are weary and I will give you Rest. God wants to give you comfort today. Let me tell you, God does not need your forgiveness today. He just needs your trust, amen? Do you trust that his plans are good even when they don't make sense? Do you trust that his ways are beyond your ways and his plans are above your plans? Do you trust that he's good and Satan is evil? That even when he corrects you, that he still loves you? Do you trust that even in your pain and suffering that he is still with you? I think there can only be one response to God in suffering and that's worship. David lost his child and he worshiped. Job lost everything, he worshiped. Even if we lose everything, guys, we have to worship God anyway. And I know that's hard. There's a pastor in San Antonio, Pastor Ed, great man, and he's, he says this quite often. He says, if all God ever did was send Jesus to the cross, 
that would be enough. If all he ever did was send Jesus to the cross to die for you and for me, that'd be enough. If he did not one other thing for you in your entire life, is that enough for you? It's enough for me. I Personally, I can't get mad at God. I don't think I've ever been mad at God. And if you have been, don't be mad at yourself, all right? God is patient with your misunderstandings. He's patient with us learning about who he is and what he does. God's right there in the midst of it. He can handle all your questions, all your doubts, all your worries, all that kind of stuff. But listen, even if I lost everything in my entire life, I don't know if I could be mad at him because I know who he is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I've tasted and seen that he is good. I, there's no other way for me now. Does that make sense? But if you're mad at God, it's okay. You just don't stay there, right? Give it up to him today. Put the blame where it belongs. Put it on the right name. Martin Luther said, when you look around and wonder whether God cares, you must always hurry to the cross and you must see him there. That's good. He's the author of life. He gives good gifts. He's a good father. I'm just his child and I'm just thankful to know that my dad loves me. Would you stand with me today? We didn't have this plan, but I think just with the nature of the message today, I'd like to have a few staff members and prayer team members, if you're here, come to the front, if you would. Whoever's available, whether you're in the green room, in the office, or if you're willing to pray, and I've talked with you, you know who you are. Yeah, you guys are good, yeah. Thank you, Rachel, yeah, come on. Keaton, thank you, please. Come on up, guys. I'd just like to take a moment to pray with you because we wanna mourn with you if you're mourning, right? Does that make sense? And we're gonna mourn together. We're not gonna mourn to the, we're not gonna get to the place where we blame God though. We're not gonna blame him. We're not gonna say that he's not good. But man, if you have something in your life and you've been blaming God, you're mad at God because of something that happened in your life or you're just frustrated with the why. Why God? Why this? Why me? Why my kid? Why my life? Why did this have to happen? Or why didn't you do this, God? Maybe some of you are, are mad at God because you feel like he hasn't answered your prayers. You feel like you can't hear him. Like what in the world is going on? Well, we wanna pray with you today. And we just wanna offer hope that there is hope for you in this place today. I wanna take a moment and humble ourselves and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust your plan. I don't get it but I'm gonna worship you anyway. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to say, hey, pastor, that's me. I'm in a place where I'm frustrated with God or I, I am just confused. I have doubts, I have worries, anxieties, whatever it might be, or I'm angry at him for all these different things and, and I just need to let this thing go today. 
If that's you, would you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Put your hand up right in the air. I wanna see you. Come on, I see you. You've suffered loss, you're grieving, you're mourning. And you just want somebody to pray along with you. Maybe you're just mourning. Maybe you're not even mad at God, but you're just mourning today. Like, that's you. Come on, you can put your hands down. What I want you to do in this place is if you would, I'd ask you to just come to the front. If that was you, you raise your hand. Would you come to the front? Would you find somebody to pray with you today? Because you, you need some mourning. We need to pray along with you. I wanna partner with you in prayer this morning. I mean, listen, if you need anything in your life, if you need a healing today, we wanna pray with you. Would you come to the front? If you need to pray for somebody else that needs a healing, come on, just come on up to the front and find somebody. You don't gotta be nervous about it. It's all good. Come on, come on, yeah, come on up, come on up. It's all good. There's somebody to pray with you, I promise. Paige, will you come here? No, right, yeah, just right here. We got you, we got you. Hey guys, we got Michelle, we'll take care of you guys. Right over here, y'all come and pray with her. Everybody else that's here, would you just put your hands up like this? Just put your hands up. This is just a way of saying, hey God, we're here, we see you. David said, lift lift your hands, lift your voice, right? This is what David said. This is the same guy that lost his baby, y'all. The same guy that worshiped in the middle of his doubt and his pain and his suffering. Come on, would you just pray right now for those people that are up here? Would you pray for somebody in your life? Would you pray over the situation that's going on in your life? Would you, would you just thank God for who he is? Lift your voice this morning. Thank God for who he is, what he's done in your life. Say, God, you're good. Maybe you have to remind yourself that he's good this morning. Remind yourself that he's faithful today. Remind yourself who he is and what he does. Get a right perspective on God. Say, I'm sorry, Lord, that I've had a wrong perspective on you. God, we're sorry that we come to you and we blame you for things that you've never done. God, I'm sorry that when in my own mistakes, in my own sin, in my own failure, when I've put blame on you, Lord, God, you're good and you're holy and you're worthy. And we don't understand everything that you do. We don't understand all the suffering this world endures. Oh, we don't understand. We say, why me? Why God? Why, why this other person, this, this person in my life that I love so much and they're suffering? God, why would you allow that? Lord, I don't, I don't know. But what I do know is that God, you are good and you're holy. And my only response to you right now is worship and thanksgiving and praise. And God, we wanna put it right in the mouth of the devil right now in the name of Jesus. We're gonna kick him in the teeth. We're gonna say, no, sir, not today. We're punching him right in the face with our praise. We're putting our foot on his neck right now. We're saying, not today, Satan. You ain't gonna win in my life. You're not gonna get me to blame God for your works, not today. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing healing in this place right now. Healing touch of God, would you flow in this place? Holy Spirit, would you move over every person here today? Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're good, God. You are good, God, and you are worthy of our praise. Thank you, Jesus.
God, we give it all to you this morning. All of our mourning, all of our our brokenheartedness, God, we come to you. Would you comfort us today, God? Holy Spirit, there's somebody that's just hurting. Would you comfort their broken heart today, God? Help them to see that you are the comforter. You are not the bringer of evil in their life. And even when we don't understand, God, help us to flip our perspective on pain. And Lord, what we're going through right now is gonna be used for a purpose at some point in our lives. Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. God, I don't understand why I've gone through this thing, but Lord, I believe that you will turn it for good. The, the comfort that I experience now from the Holy Spirit, I will be able to comfort somebody else with when they go through the same thing, God. So I thank you and praise you for what I'm going through now, for what you're gonna be able to do with me in the future. See, we gotta flip our perspective today. It still hurts and that's okay. It's fine that it hurts. But may we not ever curse God because of it. There might be somebody in here today that you just need to get right with God. You've never given your life to Jesus before. And let me tell you, Jesus loves you. God loves you. Maybe you've put the blame on him in the past. He loves you, okay? He cares for you. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you on the cross. I just said earlier, Martin Luther, he said, if you ever wonder if God cares, just look to the cross and find him there. The cross is everything because all of your sin and all of your pain and all the suffering, everything in this world that is evil, Jesus took it upon himself and said all of your sins were nailed to the cross so you don't have to live with them any longer. You don't have to be punished because of them. I wanna ask you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed one more time, I just wanna give you the opportunity to say yes to God. And if you need to get forgiveness from God today and you wanna give your life to him, the best part is that it says three days later, after he died, he was raised again. And then he sits at the right hand of the Father and he prays for you and he prays for me. God is praying for you right now in the middle of your suffering, in the middle of whatever you're going through, God wants to offer you forgiveness. If that's you and you wanna give your life to God, would you just raise your hand and look up at me on the count of three? One, two, three. Raise your hand, look right up at me. I see you. Yes, ma'am. I see you, my bro. If you wanna get right with God today, I see you right here. Yes, anybody else? You can put your hand down when I see you. Come on, man, I see you. Yes. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am, I see you right here. Anybody else? That's four people so far. Is there anybody else? I see you right here. Is there anybody else? Where are you at? Raise your hand high so I can see you. Yes, ma'am, come on, I see you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Right here, yeah, I see you. I struggled writing this message, guys. It was so funny. I, I, just this morning, last night, I was up, I was up till one in the morning just praying through this and wrestling with it. You could talk to my wife. She's standing right here because she knows I need the support. I've never experienced loss like some of you have. I've never experienced that pain. And so I don't understand it because I've never been mad at God. I don't think I could be mad at God, but I think God was allowing me to feel the pain of people that are mad at him so that I could empathize with you today. And it's just hurt all the last couple of days. It's been hard. But God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And it was so funny because I think I finally just had to give up and say, you know what? I don't understand. 
I'm preaching to these people that we don't have to understand. And I'm literally just preaching the fact that we don't have to understand and yet here I am trying to understand. The irony. And I think God finally just said, you know what? You don't have to understand all of the stuff and why everything happens. He brought me back to the response. The response is worship. The response is thanksgiving. The response is praise. And I said, God, fine, I will praise you. I will love you. I will give you thanks in the midst of all. I don't, I don't understand even how I'm gonna deliver this message because it's just so cosmic. It's so mysterious. We just don't get it. We don't understand. And yet, God, I know that you're here and we're gonna worship you through the midst of it. And so, man, if that's you, I counted about 10 people that are raising their hands in this service today. Can we give God praise for just a second? Let's support these people. And if that's you today, if you're giving your life to God, I'd encourage you to be bold. Would you also step out in faith the same way that the others just stepped out to give their stuff to God, to give their anger and their mourning and their sadness to God? Maybe you came for the first one and you gotta come again. Would you step out in faith and come again up to the front so we can pray with you and receive Jesus right now? Come on, would you come up? If that was you and you raised your hand, would you be bold enough to come up to the front and say, God, I need you. I'm gonna pray. We wanna pray with you right here at the front to receive Jesus. Don't be shy, don't be ashamed. Just be honest with yourself. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Who cares? I don't care. I don't care if you've been coming to this church for three years. I don't care if you serve on the rad team. You get yourself down here and we'll pray with you. Beautiful. For anybody that's making that decision, maybe you're a little nervous, but you wanna pray with us. Let me pray with you today. Everybody, let's all say this together. Say, Jesus. I give you my life. I give you my hurts, my pain, my suffering, my sin. Would you forgive me? Thank you for dying for me and making me new. Renew my heart, renew my mind, renew my spirit. Thank you for new life in you. In Jesus' name, come on, can we give God praise? Say amen, let's come on. God is good. God is good, God is good. Hey, thank you for, for worshiping with us today. They might keep praying up here at the front. But if you're suffering, if you're in mourning, if you got something going on in your life, man, we wanna know about it. We wanna partner with you in prayer about whatever that thing is. So send us a text, send us an email, send us a message, man, we would love to partner with you in prayer, whatever that is. The Bible says, let your request be made known to God, right? So we wanna partner with you in prayer as a staff and as a rad team to believe God for miracles, amen? How many of y'all believe that we serve a miracle working God? Come on now. Hey, God bless you. We see you next week.